Um, okay, we appreciate those who have uh, left the election results for 45 minutes. I don't think it's going to be called yet for Trump till way after that. So I, hopefully you're not going to, you're not missing anything. Um, okay. So we are in this incredible chapter called Precious, Shara Precious. Um, and we had discussed the exact nature of Precious and he had uh, broken it down, you know, uh, in terms of, you know, what the, where, where Precious manifests itself. We had spoken about three different areas. Uh, area number one was Precious in the area of uh, interpersonal relationships and is Precious in things that you're not allowed to do and then precious in things that you're allowed to do. We had mentioned that things that uh, precious, what you're not allowed to do, even things that are uh, desirable, we have to train ourselves to view them as being so horrific because they're prohibited that even though I might have a natural inclination, precious, when developed within a person, trains one to be completely revulsed by those things as much as we naturally gravitate to them. Then we went into uh, precious of things that we are allowed to do. And um, we, th- they were broken up into, um, into three areas, things that, we, uh, things that we can't be without, things that we are allowed to do, but maybe um, we can go a little bit, a little bit above the necessary situation but we would uh, uh well we can do without it but it's with a measure meaning in other words the first category was things that we absolutely cannot do without because we need basic parnosa we need basic sustenance so that's one category of things that we are allowed to do the other category of things that we're allowed to do are things that you can't say it's basic to your basic needs but um they're a little bit luxurious but only slightly and that's the second category of, of things that we are allowed to do. And the third category were, were things that we don't need at all, but they're just very, um, they're very desirable and they give us a lot of pleasure. And it's uh, basically overindulgence. And he basically, when we ended last time, last week, when we ended, we basically ended with the concept of we have to look at indulgence of a positive, of positive things that maybe are permissible, but our attitude about indulging in them needs to be that they're just as bad as things that are prohibited. Uh, we, we mentioned at that time that it wasn't so clear what exactly it was referring to. Was it, was it referring to overindulgence? Was it referring to things that are slightly above, above what's necessary? Um, but he made it very clear that certainly even Shom HaMelech, and that's where we ended, that even Shom HaMelech, who was the wisest, wisest of all people, even his indulgence in things that he thought he can handle, he couldn't handle. He had too many wives, too many horses, too many things that got in the way, and they turned his heart uh, in the wrong direction. So that's where we left off. And now we're going to get further clarification of, of how precious manifest, manifests itself in these areas of things that we are allowed to do. And then we're going to, uh, not tonight, but the, the next category is pre, because right, right right now we're discussing precious in actions that are private in the physical realm of our own private lives. The next uh, category of precious is precious in the area of thought, and that's going to be maybe Bezosha, maybe next week or 
uh, sometime down the line. So let's pick it up from Shomam Melechin. We left off, I have it on page Reish Sadi Gimel, but pages can come and go here because people have different texts. So it's based, it's, um, it starts with the Yim Kane, and um, it's right after the reference to Shoma Melech, somewhere in the middle of Perakei. Okay, but it, but the words on the page we read the bottom are the Yim Kane. Oops, I have two people here. I wasn't looking. Okay, got to get them in. It's Baruch Shem. We have a nice group. Okay, welcome everybody. So I just gave a little introduction. So uh, you didn't really miss anything other than sort of where we're at. And now we're going to dive right in to the bottom. I, I read the Leif Tov. I have this safer, which is Chosova Slave Tov. And I read from the bottom. If you want to follow along inside, but I translate everything. And uh, again, you are welcome to, uh, to interrupt with a question. You can send it a, a chat form. Or, or you can wait till the end, whichever one you feel comfortable doing. Okay, so let's let's get right in here because this is really amazing stuff. And let me mention one more caveat again. We are towards the end of an incredible safer called Chovos Halvavos. This is a safer for people who want to develop themselves in all of the spiritual aspects pretty much of life. But it is it is a lofty safer. And the Chavos Havavos, with the fact that we're learning Shaprishas, does not mean that we're holding at Shaprishas. Doesn't mean that we're ready to abstain from these fundamental things in life. Uh, but by learning them and seeing what the goal is, we begin a little bit to appreciate the lives of amazing people who were able to achieve this, this status. And it gives us a, a target of what to shoot for, what to aspire to. But uh, I don't think anybody should just go home and say, okay, I learned tonight that basically uh, the minute I have enough money for today's um, meals, I could, uh, you know, stop working and we'll see. You'll you'll see what I mean, but it's something that we have to attain gradually in the right way, in the right, um, in a very measured way. Okay, we welcome more people, Baruch Hashem. Okay, so... Sorry to notice you right away, but okay, you're, you're in, and we're about to start now. Vim came. So if the, if that's true by Shlomo Melech, if Shlomo Melech, the wisest of all people, still was able to be uh, moved in a negative way by feeling that he can overindulge in permissible things, because really what he did was not was not prohibited. He uh, he did marry these women, and they uh, it isn't that they were. Uh, it was a prohibition, but the, he overdid it. He had too many wives. Didn't, uh, they didn't do it with, uh, with the proper measure. Vim Kain, Allah has come of a comma. If that's the case, he says to us, Ata, you, you, Yankel, you, Sarah, you, uh, whoever you are who's reading the Sefer, you have to imagine if that's true for Shoma Melech, based on your intelligence, which, while could be very, very impressive, is not Shoma Melech's. Okay, because uh, I don't think we've met anybody in this generation who can come close to Shoma Melech. So you have to watch yourself and watch your soul from the physical pleasure of this world. Again, not to say not, not to have any, but that can't be what we're targeting. It can't be the essence of our life. And if it is, it, we are in grave danger. Even those which are permissible, it's still not the way to go. It's still not a healthy situation. A lot of people, again, it's the kind of debate you can't really have with somebody who is living in that world 
to somebody who lives a life of saying, listen, I'm a Torah Jew, I keep halacha, and after that, leave me alone, and don't bother me, and I will buy my, you know, $300,000 cars, and I will buy my $250 bottles of liquor, and I will have my uh, $500,000 simchis, and, and don't bother me. Now, can you say that person is, is terribly wrong? You can't. You know, and, and, you know, and part, of it, part of us says, well, listen, if you can afford it, call a kavod. But on a personal growth level, clearly we see that indulging in these things and, and valuing all of these materialistic things puts in a, a person in tremendous sakana. So we're not, we're not here to talk to that person right now. That person is not going to relate to what we're saying. We're talking to people who maybe are not ready to totally uh, separate from physicality, but at least appreciate the pursuit of spirituality as the ultimate pursuit of our lives. That is who we're talking to. That, that, do we at least want to move in that direction? Um, okay, and, and that's really the question that the needs that we need to look at. Even if you can't separate completely from this world uh, on a physical, uh, with your body, meaning that you are not able to abstain from the physical aspects of this world, because you, you're, you're, you have responsibilities. You've got, uh, you got to put food on the table. you got a job. You have to hold down. And all of your involvements in in the getting your, your job and, you know, maintaining wages uh, for you to be able to survive. The, the needs of your sustenance, your physical sustenance in this world. So you can't just, you know, live off there. That, that, so it's not the expectation. However, still, at least separate in your heart and in your inner kishkis, in your inner core, uh, completely from those things that will move you far away. You know what things sort of get you distracted. You know what things sort of uh, move you into a realm that, you know, this is not, I'm spending too much time in this. I'm too involved in this. And, and if you're going to start getting involved in that area, it's going to really bring you down. Well, then at least stay away from those things. As many of the... Um, Rabbis were spoken about in terms of uh, you know great rabbis in the Gemara. Even though they were involved in this world, they had jobs. They weren't uh, you know this these angelic beings. Rabbi Shimbai was one person who basically took the perspective. Uh, I'm relying on Hashem, but he was he was a unusual person. He was Torah um Naso, and Rabbi stood out in a unique realm. But there are many great tzaddikim who did have jobs, despite their uh, focus on spiritual attainment. Um, even though they were involved in this world, they were separate from the physicalities of this world. They were able to sort of emotionally and psychologically separate from what they were doing to what was really, really impacting them. Kamo, for example, Abba the great Abba Chilkia, he would dig into the ground. He was a sort of a, a, a field worker, in, 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 uh, and he would uh, hold the ground, and he would uh, uh, t- sell, you know, sell his uh, services uh, to be able to make some money. He was a builder, 
and he built the buildings, built houses. Hillel was a wood chopper. So this is what they did, but this is not who they were. Okay, and um, famous story about Rabbi Saul Salanter once met somebody, he says, so tell me, uh, you know, what do you do? He says, well, you know, I'm a businessman. I buy and sell. No, no, no. I, I'm asking you, what do you do? Well, you know, I buy stuff and then I sell it and I make money. No, no, you, I, uh, no, no, I, I'll just cut to the end. I don't have to go too, too, too long. He says, no, you keep telling me what a Kodesh Baruch Hu's doing. I want to know what you're doing. And so that's sort of a different variation, but it's essentially the same idea that, that what you're doing in terms of your job is not what you're doing. That's sort of what you need to put to do to put food on the table. What you're doing is your spiritual growth. How much you're learning, how you're davening, what about your mitzvahs, your chesed, your midos, that's what you're doing. You're not doing your job. Job is just a necessity. Okay, and therefore, let's continue the next paragraph. As long as you have to hold down that job, because you have, because you do need to attain your parnasa, because you do need to, to put food on the table. Your involvement in the mundane world of work does not force you to separate from your essential goal of spiritual growth. Because you're doing it with a specific intent. You're trying to serve God. So you're serving God through your work the same way you're serving God through your mitzvahs because part of the mitzvah is to support your family and put food on the table. Like we said earlier. This is where it really gets, again, we can't assume he's talking to us. We can assume maybe one day he'll be talking to us, but but let's see what he says. You know, you'll see what I mean. But he he feels that if you want to be a parish, a parish, the minute they achieve that level where they don't need to do the work, maybe there are people like this. Uh, when you have enough money in the bank to put food on the table, you don't have to work anymore in the physical world. Stop. Separate. For you to be able to completely involve yourself in service to Hashem. You know, they say about, uh, we had a wonderful tzaddik here in Los Angeles for many decades, a Holocaust survivor. Um, I think it was a, a Mr. Weiss or Rabbi Weiss, Beryl Weiss, I believe his name was, passed away some years ago, well, not such a long time ago. And I remember going to his Leviah. I didn't know him personally that well, but he was just one of those, you know, uh, just uh, iconic figures in Los Angeles Jewry. He one of the, was one of those special survivors that built Los Angeles. After World War II, uh, a number of these types of uh, special, special people came out here. And what made him very special is that he always had a safer and he made a lot of money. He was a big of Baruch Hashem, gave a lot of tzedakah, but he loved to learn. Not but, he, and, he, and he loved to learn. And he, the, the, at the Leviah, one of his, I think it was a family member or somebody very close to him said an incredible story. And they said that he, when he made his money and he became Baruch Hashem, very, very established and very wealthy, he basically, I believe he spoke to Rav Shach. I think it was Rav Shach Zatzal that he spoke to in Eretz Yisrael. And he said, listen, I mean, he was a world figure. He, everyone in the world knew him. He was this, you know, incredible, incredible philanthropist. So, 
and uh, he said to Shach, "Listen, Rebbe, I think um, I want to. I want to retire. Maybe, maybe he read this Chol Savavos. Maybe he read a different Sefer. But uh, you know, listen, I, I want to retire. I want to go to Kail. I want to learn all day. I have enough money to to support my family. I want to learn all day. So, what's amazing is, and you know, I'm not saying everyone would give this answer. If that answer came as a very big surprise to me. I." From where I was brought up, maybe I, I was expecting maybe another God will say different answer, but he said, um, you can't. You can't you can't stop what you're doing. You're holding up Klai Yisrael. You're what you're doing in terms of making the money that you make and giving the tzedakah that you give, you can't stop what you're doing. I mean, maybe he told me because anyway, he was learning maybe eight to eight hours a day, you know, uh, while making his million. So someone like him maybe shouldn't stop. I I, I don't know, but um it, he had the feeling, like the Chavos Halavah said, of Shach being on, on the level that he was and saw Klai Yisrael and saw the big picture said, not for you, maybe for somebody else, but it, that's exactly the type of dilemma that special people should have. Uh, and maybe the only excuse you might have to stay where you are is because you're supporting and doing mitzvahs for Klai Yisrael in a different avenue, which you shouldn't stop. But at least it's it's an argument. It's a back and forth. If there's, there's a, uh, a tension that goes on inside of you saying, maybe I don't have to work anymore. Maybe I can devote myself purely to, to spiritual uh, attainment and spiritual greatness. Ah, however, so that's what he's, he's saying that um, if, you do ha- if you do have enough, then, then you should stop. But just recognize, as long as you can't completely devote yourself to, to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that's perfect. Words, if you have enough money and you can learn all day and do mitzvahs and, and daven and do what, what, what you want to do to get closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that's amazing. But as long as you can, because you have this responsibility to take care of things. Don't just be happy with just um, don't just be happy with the with the fact that you're separating from this world emotionally. In other words, that's it's fine, it's wonderful if you can do that. You're working, you're supporting your family, but your heart is really with Hashem, and you really your main focus is connecting to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. But don't just stop there. That's not enough. You really should go to the next. What's the next level? But you, you really should go to one more level. Pray that you shouldn't have to work. Pray that you should be in a situation where you wouldn't need to work. That you wouldn't have to physically involve yourself in the day-to-day grind of a nine-to-five job. How, how amazing would it be that I, I would have enough money? You know, I guess people in Clay Kodesh, that's interesting, Shiloh, whether even if you had enough money, if you're teaching Torah or you're involved in, you know, being Osek Betzorche Tzibra, it happens to be your job. Maybe there, it might be different. Maybe there, you, you, you don't have to stop. But, but bottom line, certainly if a person, if the job is holding them back uh, and it is somewhat of a distraction, don't just be happy that your main anchor and your main core is with Hashem, but you should actually should pray that give me enough money, I shouldn't have to work. 
and then I can devote myself completely to you. Who can see your inner your inner desires and your inner yearning will help you. He'll be able. Who knows? He he would very well grant you what you really want. And you wouldn't have to physically be involved. You'd be able to be involved with mitzvahs all day. To give yourself over to serving Hashem completely. As was taught the famous mission of us. Anybody who fulfills the Torah from, from, uh, from poverty will ultimately fulfill it from wealth. So if you really stick with it and you still serve HaKadosh Baruch eventually you'll, have, you'll get the money. And certainly you shouldn't be happy with only emotionally being separated from the physical world. Certainly if you already attained a decent amount of wealth and you really don't have to work, well, you shouldn't go to work and then say, okay, I'm just, you know, I'm going to be working, but I'm going to be emotionally connected to Hashem. You don't have to work. Don't do that if you don't have to work. If you, uh, if you don't have to, then you're better off spending all day. Now, again, these, these, this is for people who are able to be connected to Hashem all day. Sometimes there are people who are not on that level. And obviously, we're not talking to, about such people. People who spend all day in the base medrash, but they're not productive in the base medrash, well, that's obviously not a good place to be. Okay, if you're going to be sitting there wasting time and uh, just, you know, hanging around, as you see, unfortunately, some people, they're in Kolel, they're 45 years old, and they're officially in Kolel, but they, they come an hour and a half late, they leave an hour and a half early, and even when they're there, they're basically not there. Well, that's, they're not in Kolel. And for that person, he would be better off working than just, you know, sort of walking around and uh, and sort of just breathing breathing the air. So you have to, everything is very much unique and specific to each person. Uh, but this idea that if you don't have to work and you're able to learn and you're able to be connected, committed to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and you do work, well, that brings into play the other part of the mission of us. If you... If you have the money, you have the wealth, and you and you don't learn, so full of then Hakadosh Baruch Hu will take that wealth away from that person, and eventually he will have to serve Hakadosh Baruch Hu uh, from poverty. Okay, so so we've got this sort of vision, this sort of dichotomy of different types of people. If you if you want to be a parish and you still have to work, that's fine. You can be a parish while working. Just have your core being thinking about Hashem, and really be, that, that is your anchor. But if you want to be a parish and you don't have to work, well, then don't work. And then you'll be able to spend your whole day connected to Hashem. Are you, are you going to be constructive? Obviously, you will be. If you're not going to be constructive doing that, then obviously that's not the, the path for such a person. So now he goes into the realm of the physical aspects of how um, how is it that you commit your physical body. And this is something absolutely incredible. Uh, and this should really be a great read for those people working on Shmira Salashin. Uh, the next few paragraphs are, are critical. And Shmira Salashin meaning watching what comes out of our mouth and how we speak, etc., etc. So let's let's continue. So, uh, in my safer, it's 
page Reish, Sadi Dalid. Okay, sorry, I'm not looking up and I see people. Now we have somebody else in the waiting room, but I just let her in. Okay, welcome. And we are in my Chobos Avavos, I'm on page Reish, Sadi Dalid, in the second paragraph from the bottom. So we're in this realm of the things that a person does privately to channel those activities in the realm of precious, which is focused on spirituality and removed from physicality. So it is upon every individual, he's saying, to try to take all of your senses all of your motions, all of your movements of your physical body and subjugate them towards God. So it, no free will, you know, just, you know, free flow and just everything goes and just, no, 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 that's not our job. Our job, if we want to really do it right, we have to have everything that's working within us in, in sync in one direction, literally synchronized in a spiritual direction. So he will explain. Reishis taschil arasinas so he, he, for some reason, he starts with the toughest. And he'll explain why he starts with the toughest. Because it, it'll take the longest time to do this. So the earlier, we, we, the sooner we start, the better off we are. Start by trying to sort of um, control your tongue and to uh, limit it and to silence your lips and to close up your lips. The tifrosh miladaber dvarim betelim amida kazos, and separate from idle, aimless chatter with this measure. Now again, I am not saying that we all should do this tomorrow morning. Uh, this is a goal. I just want to keep reiterating that uh, we need to be on the level to handle this. But at least we now we can we can begin to appreciate what we can be striving for. So let's start cutting out all of the. The, the babbling that's unnecessary. To the point where it should be easier. It should be easier for you to move your weightiest limb. Okay, whatever part of your body is the toughest to lift, should be easier to lift than lifting your tongue. Now, this is somewhat poetic. In nature, but this is what he, what he's saying is: before we move our tongue, there should be thought there. And we know how often we look back and say, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe I just said that. What came over me? How could I have said that? What, what was I thinking?" Well, the answer is we weren't thinking. And we have to make the tongue. It's an incredible sort of a, a imagery that we have to think about. Our tongue should be the heaviest part of our body. It should be toughest to lift our tongue than anything else. And I guess the only way, if your tongue is very heavy, then the way to lift it is to really put a lot of energy. But in putting a lot of energy, you got to think a lot. What am I lifting it for? I don't want to lift it for, for something that's not very important. So you're going to be much more measured in, in the, the movement of your tongue and, and things that we say. The one that can sin the quickest of any part of your body is a tongue. Because how how short can it be to say that word? Literally, it could be a, a one-syllable word that when said in the wrong way, at the wrong time, okay, to the wrong person, oh my gosh, what did I do? 
And it's a greatest sin. This is not a Lashon Harish here, but uh, we, I'm sure, have heard uh, enough over the years to know how unbelievably severe Lashon is. So the most devastating sin is a sin of the mouth. Okay, so, and it's also the quickest to get out. It can just get out in a second. So we got to be so careful. The Gal Kaluso Mehuso Tanasa. It's so light and it's so quick, quick in motion. There's just, you know, there's nothing preventing me from just speaking. Since you're able to articulate in such an easy way, and you're able to do either good or bad without, without any other need, you don't need anything else. Sometimes with the sin, you need other you know, uh, either other things, other physical things, other people. Here with the, I guess with, with talking, you need somebody else to hear, but it, it's so uh, sort of self-contained in terms of potential destructive behavior. You don't need a lot to make it happen. So it's all the more reason to be super careful and make the tongue, as, as he said, the most difficult body part to move. Umikivan Shekane, so I will just move to the next page. Since that's so, my brother, please pay attention. It is upon you from the the uh, sort of the spirit and uh, and the uh, the letter, not really the letter of the law, but the the proper the proper conduct um, behooves us to put upon us. We have to make it priority number one to silence our mouth and to control it. To not to basically not speak very loosely and to have control over what comes out of our mouth. You really should only say things, again, we're not ready for this right now, most of us, but to only say things that are really necessary. You know, the idea just, um, you know, just let's just talk and talk and talk. That's really not the way that great people conduct themselves. Things that you need to speak about, of course, speak about. Because either you need to do them for the sake of fulfilling a commandment, or you need it just to sustain yourself. Obviously, you have to have relationships, things you have to talk about, sometimes physical things that just you have to take care of, you need to talk. But there are a lot of things that we don't need to say. Try to be as short as possible in things that are not necessary, that are extra, that are excess. And, and if, if we adopt that mode, that we're not just like an open, you know, uh, an open dam that's just broken through and just, you know, things just flow on a regular basis, it'll very possibly save us from a lot of potential damage that can happen to us. Um, okay. And Kamosha Mashal Melech, Melech says, Famous statement of Shal Melech, life and death are in the hands of the tongue. Speech is critical. And therefore, the first aspect of bodily control that he talks about is the power is controlling the power of speech. But Tom, 
Next paragraph. But the reason why I put upon you and gave you as a, as a homework assignment to start working on controlling your tongue more than controlling any other limbs that we were given. Because it's tougher. It is tougher to control the, 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 the tongue more than anything else. So Chavetz Chaim says in his Sefer that one of the reasons why Chavetz Chaim, why Shmir Salashin, why not speaking Lashar is such a challenging situation is because no one stopped us when we were younger. When we were younger, we just came home and said any, anything we wanted. And only later, when we get older, do we actually recognize, well, wait a minute, there might be things we can't say. And this, this we can't say, this we can't listen to, this we can't ask. And once you get into bad habits, it's so hard to change bad habits. So he says, it is the hardest thing to control speech. As David Amelach says, and that's why they were, the reward is so great. We're all looking for you know, special segulas. I mentioned uh, some months ago that somebody went to David Feinstein, Zayn Stark, and you know, I need a segula for this, I need a segula for that. And, you know, everyone thinks you're going to get some, you know, sort of spooky, do this for 30 days in a row and do that. You know, he says, you want a segula? Stop speaking Lashon Har. There's no greater segula than that. And where, do you, where does he get it from? He gets it from what we're about to read. Because Dovin HaMelech said until him, Mio Chaim. I guess he stole it from the famous song. Mio Chaim. Who is the man who loves life? Oiv Yom Liros Tov. Who loves the days to see good in his days? The Tzol Shon Chimera. Very simple formula. Watch your mouth from speaking evil. And your lips from, from a chatter that's deceitful uh, and, uh, and uh, hypocritical, just a negative, uh, deceitful type of speech. Turn away from negativity and do good. And seek peace and run after it. No, no big deal. Just nice little formula for long life and an amazing, amazing. Uh, uh, Chance for eternity with Hakadosh Baruch Hu and Olam Haba. So that's it. But you see, you want life. You want a good life. That's what it is. It's all shon chamira. The azharis hamuras b'sforenu hakadoshim al shmeras loshin yedua. The the levels of statements made by our chazal, our sages in the Gemara, in the Midrashim, in Alacha, you name it. Anywhere you turn, the 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 sfarim are replete with. Concepts about speech. Okay, there are fa- they are famous and uh, many. So why? It's because of how critical the issue of proper speech is. If you want to prove that what I'm saying is correct, you want to prove to yourself or, or you know, prove to anyone that basically how important, how incredibly, incredibly important proper speech is, that the, and you want to be able to see that we are so enmeshed in, in Russian horror and in negative speech, that it's part of our vernacular. If you think that it's not true, he says, I'll, I'll have a way of proving it to you, that this is something that's critical for us to avoid. In fact, the Gemara, it's a famous Gemara that, um, 
the minority of Jews are involved in illicit relationships. The majority of Jews involved are involved with monetary issues. Rubam Begezel is some type of uh, thievery. Is something that, that many Jews unfortunately trip up in. But Verubim Bavakoshara. I'm saying Kamat Kula Bavakoshara. But almost all of them, referring to the Jewish people, are involved in some form of damaging negative speech. But he doesn't quote that Gemara, but I just threw it in. But I'll prove to you how serious it is and how common it is. I'll say Kach, do as follows. He's going to give us another, a more elaborate homework assignment. Kabel there's no big deal, because especially now that we have phones, we can put it on record and literally record every conversation we have during the day. Okay, so think about this. Accept upon yourself that you're going to have a conscious remembrance of everything that you say during the day. Remember every conversation, maybe you can take notes for yourself, uh, spoke to Yankel here, spoke to Sarah there, did this, did that, and had all the conversations of the entire day, write them down. Make a diary of your conversations. Uh, when you have any type of interaction with any person, and you come into some type of discussion with them, write it down. So first he says, remember them. Now he says, if you can write it down, it's even better to write it down because it's hard to remember every conversation in your head. So if you can write it down, that's even better. Then when you get home and you're in the quiet of your night and you're meditating and you're you're reflecting. You finish all your business. You put your kids to sleep. Okay, you, uh, whatever, the dishes are done and everything is, uh, is uh, you know, put to bed. Um, go over those words in your mind. And put them on your thoughts. Examine them. Think about them. Go over them. How many statements were really necessary? And how many were extra? Didn't bring any, any benefit, any purpose for those statements? How many of those brought you damage? How many of those brought you some grief and some anguish and some pain? Meaning to say, How many of the words were lies? How many of them Involve Rechilus, which is an inflammatory speech that creates a rift between one Jew and another. Shvos, swearing. Oh, I swear this, or I, you know, I promise you that, or uh, these types of language. Or God forbid, And once you go over that, that it, you do this on a regular basis, we will immediately start seeing, oh my gosh, maybe I have room for improvement. This is this is a uh, this needs to be taken care of. The tiras chata echa, and you will see your sins. some tamid, and you'll remember them all the time. If you're constantly doing this, you'll have much more of an awareness. Very interesting how he throws in. Just like we're very good at remembering all the sins that somebody else did against us, people that we don't like. Right? That we have a clear memory. Yeah, yeah, 17 years ago, you once looked at me the wrong way. You didn't say good Shabbos to me, so I'm still not talking to you. You know, so not anybody in this group, of course, but um, theoretically, right? Uh, that can happen. So 
just try to be as critical on yourself as you are on other people and just shine the light a little bit towards ourselves and the mirror as opposed to the negativity of, of others. And we'll find that, you know what? We also make mistakes. We might also have missed a good Shabbos to somebody or maybe answered very curtly or maybe said an extra word that was hurtful and responded in a negative way that maybe we didn't, we didn't have to respond so harshly. Uh, because yom yom. If you do this every single day, lo yavra feels man katzer ad shloshon chatiyah mutukenes udvercha yim watim. It will not be long if you get into this habit, and this will become your daily cheshbin anefesh, your your uh, introspective calculation on a daily basis of what did I say today, and I, this is not easy. I mean, I, this is definitely not easy. Um, but you know what? I mean, if if we could do it, boy. He's saying it would not take long that our that our speech would be rectified and the words would be much less. We'd speak less, but we would we would speak. We wouldn't have to go on some kind of you know tinas deeper, some kind of verbal fast or anything like that. But we wouldn't speak as much. They say about the Chavetz Chaim that he was a great conversationalist. Um, so we see that you know it it certainly. It's doable. If he's telling us to do it, it's doable. It's something that we can strive for. And again, uh, we have to, again, this is just something that we can sort of aspire to. How we take this into our own lives has to be carefully uh, weighed and managed. But let's try one more paragraph before we call it a night. Okay, and this chus, HaKadosh Baruch will um, protect Klai Yisrael and, and uh, give us only bracha. Uvim kom ledaber harbei, Okay, and instead of speaking a lot, tadif lachshav harbe. Try to let, let's train ourselves. He says instead of talking a lot, let's think a lot. And constantly making calculations for ourselves about what's going on with us. Because thought is the lamp, is the light, is the light that you bring into your own uh, heart. It's sort of, it's able to, thought is able to illuminate the inside of our, of our, the deepest, most feelings of what we're, what's really inside of us. And the calculation of the soul, taking, a, making an accounting of ourselves is a sun that will, will shine on the darkness of our insides. And will, will reveal the good and bad that is within us. The more we calculate, the more we think, the more we will have a full understanding of exactly where we stand. And the tongue is the, is the gate of that inside uh, inner workings, our private actions and calculations and, and where we're really at. If our tongue is hefker, if the gate that's supposed to be watching and controlling what goes in and out, if it's Hefker, if the gate is open at all times, then it's not watching and guarding what's inside of us. The gate is open. There's no protection. If the gate is open, there's no protection and anybody can just come in and out, right? Open borders. Well, we know what happens with open borders. What comes out very often is not what we want to come out just like what open borders what comes in is very often not what we want to come in well it goes the other way as well what comes out is not we're not going to be happy with if we don't have a good gate that wall right build that wall 
And what will become revealed is what we, what we don't want to be revealed. I wasn't supposed to say that, right? How many times have we been told, please don't repeat that? And within three days, somebody else knows. And I, how could I have done that? I was, I said, I'm gonna not, I'm gonna keep it a secret, and somehow it comes out. Well, because we just we weren't thinking enough. But if we watch that gate and we build that wall and we we protect our, our tongue by thinking about what we're doing, in we will protect the inner core of who we are and what we have in there um, very well. As Shomelach says, Gam Evil Machrish The fool who's quiet is thought to be a wise person. You know, because if he doesn't say anything, he's not going to say the wrong thing. You know what? We can pass as being wise people. So the less we say things, um, uh, right? I mean, this is a variation of, you know, a much better variation, of course, right? What's that famous expression? Better to be remain silent. He, he doesn't say and be thought a fool. He says you remain silent. You might actually, might actually be thought to be a wise person. But unfortunately, if we open our mouths, we, we remove all doubt. So we don't want to be in that situation. Kamosh Omar, as also as Kehela said, also Shalomelech, Al Alpicha. Okay, don't just be quick with your mouth. And let your heart not be quick to uh, express something in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu that might not be appropriate. Kamosh Omar Od, and furthermore, as, as uh, Kehela said, do not allow your mouth to bring down your body, to bring down who you are and to uh, bring you into sin. So we'll stop here. It's a great place to stop because um, we, we, the next, the next uh, body part are the eyes that we're going we're gonna to talk about. But we certainly have a, a lot of homework to do here if we're going to actually even think about doing anything like this. Just be careful and proceed with a lot of wisdom, but the point is that clearly speech is the the main the main damaging aspect of what can bring our life down. Um, if we're able to put precious into the realm of of speech, it clearly would be a tremendous bracha, uh, as we know from so many other places as well. 